This is Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 651. And the quote of the day is, the goal is to become a well-rounded, versatile performer. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 651. Thanks so much for checking it out. And we've got a great guest for today. We got Miss Elena Bonomo, and she is a Berkeley grad and plays in sort of two different worlds. She's in the pop world and she does a lot of stuff there, but also has a very successful Broadway career. She is currently the drummer for six. But she's also been waitress. She was just featured on Late Night with Seth Meyers. And we have a great conversation about how, one, how she got into playing and the influences and things like that, but also how she developed her well-rounded style. So being able to play a bunch of different styles, be able to adapt to particular situations, and especially in Broadway, Broadway, excuse me, where she needs to play different styles and different orchestrations and and all of that, but then also go and do the pop thing and she can play jazz and she can play rock and funk and fusion and all of that stuff. And we talk a lot about that, just about the versatility that's needed. And then also she gives some insights about getting a Broadway gig because Broadway gigs are coveted and there's a lot of, there's a lot of mystery on how people get those gigs because once they get them, you know, they don't, people don't retire or, or I shouldn't say that people don't, uh, give up those gigs very easily. So, uh, all that and more in this episode, I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get in it with Elena Bonomo. He got down on one- Elena, what's happening? Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. So, what, so are you? Uh, are you gigging tonight? I am gigging tonight. I'm actually playing an eight o'clock show at six on Broadway. Nice. So, uh, we'll, we'll get into all that. But so, do you have one show a day on Broadway? Like, is the Friday or is there two shows on Friday? Or how does that? How does your schedule work for that? Um, for the most part, during the week, we have one show in the evening. That's usually at eight p.m. And then on Saturdays gotcha. and Sundays, we have two shows. So it's a busy weekend. Nice. Nice. And we're off um, at the moment. We're off on Wednesdays. So right and in I'm the middle. Sh- it's nice. So were you part of this uh, prior to COVID? So like when you went through the whole, the whole lock, not, not lockdown, but the whole uh, blackout of Broadway and everything. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I started the show um, in Cambridge um, at the American Repertory Theater. It's called mm-hmm. ART. Uh, we did that for about six weeks. That was in the summer of 2019. Um, and then we did about four or five weeks in St. Paul, Minnesota over the holidays in 2019. Then we had a couple weeks off and then we started on Broadway in late January 2020. And um, we had about five weeks of shows, like five weeks of previews. And mm-hmm. then all of Broadway shut down on what was supposed to be our opening night on March 12th. Uh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was intense. It was intense, but you know, we we had a happy ending. We're back, so it's all good. good. <laughs> it's pretty crazy how if you ask any, they sort of know where they were. 
or what they were doing on like March 12th, March 13th, March 14th. Everyone is like, oh yeah, I specifically remember I was getting ready to do this. I was getting, cause like life changed for, you know, for everyone pretty much overnight. And it's just amazing to me. It's like this point in time where you're like, I don't know what I did, what I, what I did last week. Right. But I know what I was doing March 12th <laughs> of 2020, which is insane where you're like, oh yeah, I was getting ready to do this and, and the world completely stopped, which is, it's just a crazy thing. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. And it's like, I, I, I'll I always remember that date, March 12th, 2020. Like that's going to always just be embedded into my memory forever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm glad, <laughs> yeah. that, I'm glad that you're back. Uh, that's, that's good that uh, the lights are back on, so to speak, and people yeah. are in the seats and you're entertaining again. That's, that's amazing. Um, I, I think that it's really interesting talking to someone on who works on Broadway because it's such, it's such a narrow path and from everyone that I've talked to, I've never tried it myself, but for everyone I talked to, it's not an easy gig to break into. And people, once they get their Broadway gigs, they hold on to them forever, right? They don't quit. They don't leave. For the most part, they don't leave anything because the the money's good. The, the schedule is good. You have benefits, all this other stuff. Um, but let's rewind a little bit because I want to I talk about how you landed on Broadway. But going backwards, we were just talking off air. You're from Westchester, New York, and you and I have a mutual friend, Mike Windish. Shout out, Mike. What's up, buddy? Hey, Mike. Uh, from Westchester, Pennsylvania. It was so funny because I lived in the New York area and, and people would be like, oh, I'm from Westchester. I was like, oh, really? Me too. And we would start talking about things and I'm like, oh, you're from Westchester, New York, not from Pennsylvania. That's so that was like yeah, my, People like, get that mixed up all the time. <laughs> but it's like my my uh, naivete coming through when I was like, oh, me too. And they're like, no. Oh, my no. gosh. Well, uh, similar similar situation. I like the town that I'm from specifically is called Cortland Manor. So mm-hmm. for short, we just call it the town of Cortland. So I'll tell people, oh yeah, I'm from Cortland. And they're like, Oh yeah, me too. And like they totally mean the Cortland all the way upstate <laughs> New York. And uh, meanwhile, mine is the Cortland that's like an hour north of New York City. So not gotcha. the same thing. But yeah, it happens a lot. Geog- that's why we're drummers and not uh we don't we're not, you know, geography teachers. Exactly. So, uh, so talk to me about growing up in in Westchester and was there was there music in the home, family of musicians, or did you just stumble upon the drums one day and you were like, yes, this is my this is my instrument? I wish I could say I totally stumbled upon the drums, but um, not quite. So and I think I think it all started with my uh, grandma Jean, Jean Castellano. Um, she plays the piano, and just as a kid, we'd go to her house in New Jersey, you know, a couple times a month. Mm-hmm. And she had her piano in the basement and she would always play it for us like after dinner. And I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I just wanted to be like her. I wanted to play the piano with her. And she doesn't know how to read music. Cool. She does everything by ear. She's completely self-taught and she's just absolutely incredible. So Amazing. I was just kind of drawn to to music in general because of her. Um, so we started with some piano lessons basically. And then um, a few years later, you know, I, the piano lessons were going okay, but I wasn't great. And my parents had to force me to practice. And um, I also have some, a couple of family members that played the drums. So my uncle Joe and my cousin, Tim, they, they both had drum sets in their homes. Um, so I was just drawn to that immediately. I don't know why, like for some reason, I guess I just thought the drums were a lot more fun than the piano because you could hit things. <laughs> yeah. But um, no matter who I was with, I always asked if I could go downstairs and play the drums. So I was just pretty drawn to it. Yeah. How is how is your uh how is your piano now? 
ah, not great. I could practice a little okay. bit more. No, I actually, I don't really play too much piano these days, but um, I should get back into it because it would be a really good skill to have. Well, I'll tell you what, you and I can, we can uh, keep each other honest on this because I played piano for nine years, maybe 10 years, right? And uh, I've said this before, but like did recitals and all that kind of stuff. And now I can play Mary Had a Little Lamb. Uh, I could play that well. But other than that, that's about all I got. So 10 years down the drain. But I always say this. I'm like, I should get back into it. I should get back. Because I'm sure some of it would come back, right? Totally. So Yeah, uh, absolutely. So feel free to like DM me and just be like, have you <laughs> yeah. practiced, have you played the piano lately? And I'll I'll ask you the same. Yeah, right. We could we could hold each other accountable. I well, play a I think little it's... bit of bass and guitar, like a little bit though. Like I'm definitely not. It's not my main thing, but I've uh, yeah, I kind of forgotten about the piano over the years, unfortunately. Yeah, I th- <laughs> you know I think it's um, I was having this conversation a couple weeks ago that one I think it's such an important instrument to learn because it like it's everything is laid out it's in black and white it's right there uh i think it's the if you're going to play a pitched instrument i think it's the easiest to learn and to play versus guitar or bass or getting into something like cello or violin or something like that um but it's all even for drummers though you know there's a lot of there's a lot of drummers who i've talked to that are say that have said once i started playing piano it helped with my dexterity. It helped with my, you know, understanding rhythmic composition. It helped me understanding uh, transitions and and all of these other things. And I remember, like, when I was in when I was in college, not hearing transitions like when there was marimba stuff going on. And after learning for a while, you start to hear those things. And so I don't know. I mean, I I'm, I'm sort of rambling, but like I think that if you're a drummer. There, you, there should be some sort of instrument that you've either continue to play or learn at an early age to like start to understand just like rhythm, rhythmic composition and and notes and scales and and different things like that. Oh, for sure. I think that's so important. I mean, it helped me so much as a kid. Like, even though I don't play that much piano these days, like mm-hmm. you know, when I was in high school and at college um, at Berkeley, um. It was so helpful for me to have a, an idea of the piano and how notes and scales work because I had to play vibraphone and marimba like in the school mm-hmm. band. So all of that, like the piano just gave me such a head start with all of those things. And especially like once I got to college and had to start taking music theory and ear training, composition classes, like just having a knowledge of a melodic instrument, especially the piano, was so mm-hmm. helpful. I think everybody should do that. It, it's almost like... It's almost like piano is to instruments what jazz is to drumming, right? Like even if you're yeah. not gonna, like if you're not gonna, even if you're not gonna be the person that's like, I'm gonna go and play bebop in New York, or or you're just gonna die, just dive into that world and stay there forever. You should at least play a little bit of jazz because of sure. how it'll inform all the other stuff that you do behind the kit. Whether it's whether you're playing heavy metal, playing on Broadway, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Absolutely. That's a great analogy. I never thought about it like that, but that totally makes sense. I literally just came up with that right now and I'm very and <laughs> like really well that it I'm so happy that it was that it I executed it well cuz I didn't that think was it was going <laughs> I thought I was going to fumble all over it and after I said it I was like, yeah. I land about one out of every 100 of those, so. Well, after 600 and something episodes, I mean, yeah. We're getting there. This is almost a, a pro, uh, almost like a pro uh, show here. We're getting there. Yeah. I, as I showed you earlier, I have no idea even how to operate my microphone. But um, 
so when when you were you're learning or you know you're playing piano you start to gravitate towards the drums so were your were your uncles teaching you how to play drums or or were you did you go to your parents you're like i want lessons and they're like oh dear god no please don't play drums in our house pretty much yeah so i um my, my uncle gave me my first couple lessons on the drums i asked my parents for a drum set for christmas when i was about nine years old mm-hmm. um and they actually got one for me which was amazing, I, amazing. I really didn't think it was going to happen um I also asked for a snowboard that year mm-hmm. and I was like, there's no way I'm going to get a drum set. Like I already played the <laughs> piano. Like uh, this is just, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I'll keep my fingers crossed. But yeah. I actually Snowboards got a drum outside, set. quiet, you know, yeah. Yeah. Versus exactly. a drum set. We'll get you a snowboard. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was just the best gift ever. And it was such a surprise. Like we woke up on Christmas morning and we saw the the snowboard and some other gifts under the tree. And it was just absolutely amazing. And every year um, we put, our little baby Jesus statue, like on the, in the manger. And like, we mm-hmm. had that set up downstairs. So my mom was like, Oh, Lena, why don't you go, you know, put Jesus down in the manger? And we're like, okay. So I went downstairs and all of a sudden there was a drum set set up in the basement. That's awesome. Like I didn't even have to unwrap anything. It was just set up right there. And I ran to it and I just couldn't even believe it. It was, it was such a surprise. Um, but, yeah, so I so I got my drum set, and I think actually that year my uncle came over for Christmas, like that very day. So he gave me um, my first couple of drum lessons. He wrote me this little manuscript book with like ten weeks of lessons that I could do on my own, or like my parents oh, cool. could help me a little bit, and that's what totally got me started. Um, and it was great. And pretty much after once I got a little bit older, once I got to middle school, then I my parents knew that I was starting to take it a little bit more seriously, and they. Mm-hmm they um, said that I should start taking private lessons. So that's what we did. There there's, I can't over or over uh, emphasize the fact that people's parents and, and how much they, how much support they give them at playing an instrument. I mean, that is so important. I've had students of mine where like their parents set up a room in the basement and like made it like a studio for them and nothing outlandish, but just like made it feel like it was this amazing vibe down there and everything and, and brought them to open mic nights or whatever it was when, when they were kids. And you see that in all, all different, all different uh, areas, not just in sports or not just in music, but in sports and, you know, skateboarders, their parents bring them to events and things like that. Uh, it's such an important thing to get buy-in from parents. And I would, I would imagine anyone listening to this, like if their kids are playing, they're going to support them because they're probably a musician too. Um, But just, but I don't know. And I don't know how to get that message out more, but like parents need to support their kids in playing instruments because it goes a long way. Like who knows what would happen if your parents didn't buy you a drum set, you know? Yeah. Like it's, I am so, so grateful to my parents for supporting me as much as they did. Like they, they bought me a drum set. They, they didn't complain about the noise. Like we had rules in the house, you know, like, okay, you can only play between noon and 8 PM, whatever it was. But as long as I stuck to that, it was fine. Of course, my sister and I would get in fights. I have a younger sister and she'd be like, Mm. stop playing the drums. It's so loud. But for the most part, like nobody really complained. Like it was totally fine. They were so supportive. They uh, paid for my lessons and they, they saw how serious I was about it and how passionate about it. I was about it. And they, um, they really supported that. I'm so grateful. That's amazing. That's amazing. So when you decide to go that you're going to go to Berkeley, 
for you was it was it a stretch were you thinking there's no way I'm going to get into Berkeley or were you like no 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 I'm getting into Berkeley and this is this is uh this is going to happen regardless um I think at the time in high school I I mean I was definitely nervous about it everyone's nervous about auditioning and applying right. for college but I really really had my heart set on Berkeley because they they have such a contemporary music program there it's not specifically focused on jazz or on classical music like you could kind of do what you want with the program there mm-hmm. and um i just really really wanted that i knew that i wanted to get into pop music and rock and funk and like all the different styles i still wanted jazz for sure but i just didn't specifically want like a jazz degree so right. i really had my heart set on it and i th- i think just you know the way that my teachers helped to prepare me for my audition and um, just the steps that I took in order to get in. I I, I was pretty confident that I would get in. Yeah. But, but at the same time, so, you know, I auditioned for a couple of other schools as well. I auditioned for um, Manhattan School of Music, NYU. Um, I thought those auditions went well, and then they didn't. I, I didn't get into either of those schools. So then I was kind of like, oh, shoot, like, maybe I won't get into Berkeley. Like, what's going to happen now? I like, didn't get into these schools and what's going to happen to me am i still going to play drums like it was really scary because berkeley was not my first audition out of those i think berkeley was like a little bit later Mm -hmm. um so then all of a sudden my confidence was just like to the floor like (laughs) what am i going to do um but yeah i just kept pushing i kept studying with my my teachers they they made some really good suggestions of course and you know just really prepared me for it and and then i i did the audition I felt good about it. And then I don't remember the timeline, but I guess a couple weeks later, I got the email that I got in and I was so happy. I remember to this day, like remember earlier, we were talking about like, we remember the dates. Like I remember yeah. March 12th, 2020 forever. Um, I remember the day that I got into Berkeley because I was just so, so excited. And I read my email and I like jumped up and down. And then they said that I got a scholarship and I was, it was like the happiest day of my life. That honestly. is amazing. That is amazing. I don't remember the date though. I'm sorry. I couldn't tell you that, but, but just, but I do remember just the way I was feeling and like, just how excited I was. And I finally did it. You know, I didn't get into some of those other schools, Mm -hmm. but I finally got in to one and Berkeley was the one that I wanted the most. So it was really amazing. Perfect. And you mentioned that you wanted to not, not only study jazz, but get into pop, play funk, you know, I don't know if Broadway was on your radar or not, but you've managed to do all of these things and, and have, you know, you have, you have sort of irons in a bunch of different fires. How has it been for you to grow that, to grow that career, to, to stay diversified in, in all of those things? Because I think that there's, there's a lot of people out there who want to do multiple things and don't want to be pigeonholed into, into one particular thing. Where have you found success in in those roads, and and what advice do you have for other people who are trying to do the same? We can talk about the Broadway thing separately if you'd like, because I think that's like a whole its own animal. Um, but just but just going down like multiple different paths and and playing with different people and styles, how have you navigated that? Well, I think Broadway and you know playing a bunch of different styles kind of go hand in hand because as a kid. I knew that I wanted to play on Broadway. Like I, I thought that that would be such a cool career path. It would keep me in New York. It's a, you know, it's a steady job. It's good money. All of those things were constantly like going through my head. So I think from the get go, I knew that I wanted to get as good at as many styles as I could because I knew mm-hmm. that that's 
that would be what it takes to be able to play on Broadway. But at the same time, like when I was at Berkeley, um, I, I didn't, I wasn't shooting for that specifically. Like we didn't really have a theater program at school. It was kind of just like, I was a performance major, but we were able to take um, all different types of ensembles and different types of classes and study with different teachers that focused on specific things. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I wanted as, um, as a, as much of a well-rounded as education as I possibly could. And, and I did, like I studied with jazz teachers. I studied with some funk teachers. I played in all different types of ensembles, like a, like a new Orleans second line ensemble and a microtonal music ensemble. Um, there were a couple What's of jazz a ensembles. What's oh, a microtonal yeah, ensemble? That was, um, with this teacher named, uh, Dave Fusinski. He's a guitar player. And um, everyone basically played fretless instruments, so fretless bass, fretless guitar. And um, he was in a band called the Screaming Headless Torsos. Yeah. Um, and we basically played a lot of their original music. And so for me on the drums, like obviously it's not a melodic instrument, but he taught us some really cool ways to just think outside the box. Like in, in his class, it wasn't just about like playing the groove or or reading the chart. It was just like, okay, what other sounds can you get out of the drum set besides just hitting the head? So I got to experiment with like different types of mallets and sticks and like playing the rims and playing the shells of the drum and like putting things on top of the drums and hitting them. Like he just got us to to think really outside of the box. That was really fun. It sounds like a, like a sound experiment kind of of. class, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've I've literally never heard of a, of a microtonal, I don't know yeah. if I've ever heard microtonal tonal before. I don't know if I've ever heard that word before. You should check it out. It's super interesting. It's a very different different sound. Um, yeah, I mean, I learned I learned a lot from being in that class, and that was only one semester at Berkeley. Mm-hmm. But but between that and like all the other classes that I was taking, like there was a an African drumming ensemble, and you know, I was studying. Uh, I was studying straight ahead jazz with a lot of my private teachers. I was studying with Neil Smith and Bob Galati at the time. Mm. I don't know if you're oh. familiar with them, but they're, yeah, yeah, they're both I, yeah. Great. Bob, unfor- I mean, Bob unfortunately passed away. Had him on the yeah. podcast, but great. Yeah. I mean, great human being, amazing drummer. Uh, he's he's amazing. He yeah. he taught me so much. But um, yeah. So we were just talking about the importance of all different styles, and and I just I always enjoyed playing everything. I just didn't I, I don't know if i i'm just trying to think of a good way to like how to explain what was going through my mind at the time you know like i guess i just right. didn't want to go to like a jazz conservatory and only play that style because i didn't feel like i was necessarily good enough at just that one specific style and mm-hmm. i i enjoyed it but i didn't want to really just spend all of my time on that one thing so that's why i right. i you know, tried to seek out different teachers and classes and bands. Um, but then as a, as a professional musician, like, you know, moving to New York, um, I feel like learning s- different styles has made me so much of a more well-rounded player. It's opened up the doors for, you know, to so many other opportunities and other types of gigs rather than just being really good at one thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I can say I can play this, this, and this and incorporate all those styles into one gig or incorporate all those styles into one Broadway show, which we'll go into. Um, but, you know, to play on Broadway, I think you really need to be as versatile as possible. Sure. 
And um, those skills have helped me a lot. I mean, looking back when you were talking about the the microtonal course or class, I was like, oh, that's that actually comes in help comes in handy for two things. One, session work if they're looking for sort of different sounds, different orchestrations. Uh, how can you get how can you get a different sound out of a, a you know a particular thing that sounds a certain way? Can you make it sound different? But then also uh, in Broadway, you know, there's so many different sound effects and different things going on that I'm sure you, you have to use your creativity on, on creating different textures and, and different phrasings and different things that are, uh, that, that they're asking for during the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, that, that, that class has helped me out a lot. Well, not just that class, but just all of my experiences at school have helped mm -hmm. me out to this day. And no matter what gig I'm on, cause I just feel like I'm always taking, I'm, I'm scooping up like my experiences from the past and like using them on certain things that I'm doing today. And it's like, I'm just so grateful for all of those opportunities and all of those things that were thrown at me at one point, you know, and maybe at the time I didn't think I'd ever use them, but right. now it's like, I'll, pull out some Latin groove that I learned 10 years ago. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, I remember that. I'm so glad that I learned that. Now I finally right. have use for it. And yeah. It's like, it's just like you're a big encyclopedia and you get fed with all of these things, all of these groove styles, all of this history, transcribing solos from all of the, the masters that came before you. And then you're just, you soak it all up. And then all of a sudden it just comes out and you, yeah. maybe you don't even think about it, but you're like, oh yeah, I learned that like once 12 years ago at this gig or, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I just, I love that about drumming and just about music in general. You just never know like what you're going to spit out. Yeah. And it's amazing how it compounds over yeah. time. And, and there's these things that when you get tasked to do something, you're like, yeah, I know how to do that. And, but if you think back, you're like, how do I know how to do that you know like i guess i learned it somewhere or or i've learned it over the years or or whatever it is that we just have these these little things that we pick up along the way that and that's i mean that's what i guess that's what uh experience gives you like it it's you can't put your finger on what experience gives you but I, it has to be those the all of those little moments over time that are things that you've learned or the time in the shed or whatever that that lends itself to you just being a well-rounded professional musician yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, so, so talk to me about Broadway because I, there's, it's hard to get in from, from what I've seen and from what I've heard, it's hard to get into Broadway. Um, there's like 87 understudies for, you know, for a lot of the, of the, uh, the roles that are going on and what was your key to, to breaking in and not only breaking in, but, but having longevity in, in Broadway. Um, well, I, I basically broke into the scene the way most people do, which is from subbing. So on Broadway, they don't really have auditions for the musicians. It's more about networking and subbing and meeting people and then just kind of getting called. So and then you say, OK, well, how do you get called? How do you get to know these people? If there are no auditions, what do you do? Well, basically, you just have to reach out and meet people. And, and it's, you know, it's easier said than done. But when I was in school, I reached out to some drummers that I knew. And, you know, like actually when I was in, when, when I was in high school, our high school choir accompanist, her name is Sue Anderson. She at that time, uh, 
she played on Broadway. She played for the Lion King. She was, she conducted, she subbed for a bunch of shows. So she knew at that time that I was maybe hoping to get into the Broadway scene. So she introduced me to some people and she said, oh, you know, once you're, once you're out of school, you should reach out to these people and see if they'll come let you just watch, watch a show. So I did. Um, I reached out to a couple of those people while I was in college and then those people introduced me to some more people and then they introduced me to some other drummers and then you kind of you just start to build this network of people that you know and now times are a little bit different because of covid so all the theaters have very strict rules about who's allowed in and who's not everybody needs to get tested you know it's a, it's a whole thing um mm-hmm. but that's you know that's not going to last forever but you basically just need to reach out to people and ask if you could just watch watch them play a show and it's just it's called shadowing somebody's book so you go shadow their book you watch them do their thing um maybe you meet for coffee maybe you talk about uh some of your goals like you know for me as a as a recent grad i was like hey i would love to meet you for coffee sometime and just talk to you about how you got started on the scene and what's your what was your path you know like what yeah. what did you study what did you do to get here and you do that with a bunch of different people and you you hear all of these stories and then you kind of evolve your own story mm-hmm. um so basically after after meeting all these people and making my connections over the years um one person his name is larry lelly he gave me the opportunity to sub for him on an off-broadway show and he told me he, he was he was one of my big mentors at the time. I would like send him emails or give him a call if I had any questions about about things. And he was like, you know, I think this would be a really good opportunity for you because it's off Broadway. It's a smaller theater. It's not super, super high stakes because it's off Broadway instead of on Broadway. Right. Um, but uh, it's a smaller band. You know, it, we, we don't we're not on click. There's not a lot of like crazy technology happening. It's like it was a pretty good show for it was a good first show for me. So he gave me that chance and I got to sub for him. Um, this was for a show called Cagney at the York Theater. And um, I subbed for him and it went well. And that was pretty much my first taste of the, the uh, Broadway scene in New York City. Promark is more than just a pair of sticks. It's the inspiration for all drummers to break the barriers of convention and make their mark. And Promark is challenging players of all kinds to discover what makes their drumming unique and show your stripes. Use the hashtag showyourstripesdr on Instagram to share your own special performance, a photo of your kit, or whatever you feel sets you apart as a drummer. The best submissions will be included in a brand new Promark official stripes ad spot. Be sure to follow at Sticks on Instagram to stay in the loop with all the exciting things they have in store this year. Promark, the official stripes of making your mark. Analog sound for a digital world is finally here. Sonar has transformed the original sonar sound look and feel of the 50s, 60s, and 70s drums into a contemporary concept called the Sonar Vintage Series, complete with an updated teardrop lug design, round bearing edges for warm, deep, low-end tone, a reissue of the classic iron-shaped bass drum bracket, and exciting finishes. The Sonar Vintage Series is the obvious choice for anyone who has one eye on the past and one eye on the future. For more information, visit sonar.com. Do 
do you have suggestions on how to because i have to imagine there's plenty of people calling people saying can i you know can i shadow your book or can i meet you for coffee you know and uh and pick it? can i meet you for coffee and pick your brain right like yes. that's the email that everyone gets uh do you do you have recommendations of how you can stand out or how you can make it worth their time to meet with you or or is it just a matter of of being in the right circles or or what's your advice there i think the one of the most important things is to have any sort of common connection so if you have someone that knows someone have them introduce you you know like if it's a music director that you know but you don't really know the drummer you can maybe ask that md say hey i'm really hoping to meet so and so um would you mind introducing me that would be really nice and they mm -hmm. might take you up on it or or a maybe another musician friend, like, you know, the guitar player at, I'm just going to say it, like some random show, like, okay, you know, the guitar player at Dear Evan Hansen, and you're trying to get to know the drummer. So maybe you can ask that guitar player, hey, would you mind introducing me to the drummer? And it doesn't have to be an in-person thing. It doesn't have to be a huge event. They could just copy you on an email, you know, and say, hey, right, right. Um, Elena is a recent grad. She's looking to meet more drummers in the city. Just wanted, wanted you two to connect. Have fun. <laughs> right. And, you know, they might answer, they might not, but if you if you meet enough people that are willing to introduce you to their friends, I'm sure you're going to get some bites. Right. Right. I think the uh the other thing that I've like I've talked about it on the podcast before. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this that I always say if I'm if I'm going to meet with someone and I'm asking them to take time out of their day to meet with me, I'll pay them whatever their rate is. So in like if if you charge $100 an hour for a drum lesson, I'll say, "Look, I I want to schedule an hour of your time, but can we just go get coffee? I'd really love to just talk to you about, you know, about Broadway or about how you got that gig or or, you know, advice for me to break in or something like that. But I don't want you to do, you don't even know who I am. I don't want you to do it for free. Mm -hmm. I'll gladly pay you for your time." Um I think I think you would get some more bites out of that. Yeah, I think that's super generous. Um, I know I don't know a lot of people that have specifically offered to do that, like if, if they're not taking a lesson, but even even if they just wanted to do like a Zoom call or mm -hmm. um, or even, of course, if you're getting if you're meeting with somebody for coffee, you should buy them the coffee at the very least. Like that's, yeah. that's a very nice thing to do. Like, oh, okay, would you take time out of your schedule to meet me like 30 minutes before your show? I'd love to buy you a coffee and chat. And a lot, especially if you catch somebody like right before their show or sometimes right after they'd be more willing to meet with you because they're already in town. They're all, they're already on their way to, to their theater. You know, it might be a little difficult if you wanted to meet them, somewhere else in the middle of the day because then it's like a process for them to take time out of their day to meet this person that they don't even know but it's if an you interesting catch them, point you know if yeah. you catch them on their way to work it's very likely they might say yeah you know what let's get a quick coffee right right yeah the uh you know i think that everyone is like oh they work on broadway they must live in in midtown or something and it's like no they may live in connecticut or or westchester or, or somewhere else and they're and they're commuting in uh, yeah. they're, they're commuting in every day. And the, uh, and, and the, like some of the stuff that I used to do is I knew like when band, if there was a band coming into town and it, they were a smaller band, or maybe it was a side project, if it was a drummer that was in a, you know, in a bigger band, but this is their side project or something. I'd be like, Hey, do you need, do you need help? Like, do you need me, me to help you load in and set up your drums or carry your drums out at the, like I've met, I've, I've met and geez, 
I wasn't an English major. Um, <laughs> I'm lucky. I don't know if I've ever said the word metin before. Uh, I've met so many friends or so many people, I should say, that have become friends from that particular thing. Like, hey, I know you'll be here. I know you'll be here next week. Uh, you know, I'll I'll help you do anything. And they're like, sure. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You know, like add some value. I think that's a great thing to offer. Just always offer to help someone and then they're willing to. Yeah. They'd be, they'd be willing to help you out too. Yep. And the flip side of it is like, you never know. I think that a lot of times we think that we can't add value to someone because they're, they have a more successful career than we do, or they have, you know, they're on more records than we are, have more money or whatever it is. And I think that there's, there's plenty of value that you can add to someone's life where you're like, Hey, maybe you're great at graphic design and you can help them do some stuff for their, you know, for their gigs or I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, I think it, I think a lot of it just comes down to being a nice person. Like just be a nice person. Yeah. Just be a good person to be around and people will want to help you. Like don't approach these people that you don't know with like a giant essay of an email with a five page resume and yeah. all this stuff. Like, cause the truth is like, they're probably not going to read all of that. Like, yeah, actually they're definitely not. They're definitely read not. All of that. Like, especially that. if they don't know who you are, like, don't send somebody an, a cold email with a five page resume and a long bio and links to every single thing you've done. Like yeah. they're probably not going to care, but if you're, if you, you know, give them like a couple sentences, especially if you have a mutual connection in there, Hey, I'm a friend of so-and-so she suggested I reach out to you. My name is Elena. I just graduated from whatever, um, I'm in town. I'd love to buy you a quick coffee before your show. I'm a huge fan. I'd love to pick your brain. Um, let me know what works for you. I think right. that's all you really need. Like you, they, yeah. you don't need to give them your entire history and your whole experience, <laughs> right. you know, just, just, and like, while you're there, like, just be nice, be grateful. That's the most important thing. Like mm -hmm. always thank them for their time. Be so grateful that they're taking the time to meet with you, buy them a coffee and you know, things will go well. Yeah. Don't be late. If they're don't be late. You. For yeah. sure. Dude, yeah, definitely don't be late. Yeah. Or you or you get the people that are like, Oh, can I meet up with you? And it's like, Yeah, I'll do, you know, four. It's like, oh, sorry, I can't do four. Can you do it? And it's like, no, <laughs> I, you you should work on my schedule if I'm meeting with you. Not yeah, to be a jerk, yeah. but you're kind of like, look, you gotta be flexible here. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like if if you're planning to meet a Broadway drummer for coffee before their show, you should plan on being available pretty much every night between like 6 and 8 p.m. Because right. that's the schedule. You know what right. I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And, um, yeah. and you, made a, you made a great point about, and we talk about it a lot, but just just being a good person, being a good human. And if you're meeting with someone and you are gracious of their time and you're respectful of their time and and they can see that you really care about this and, and you're not you know, there, there's not like an ulterior motive. You're just there because you want to learn. And obviously you're trying to advance your career, but you're, you're, you're a good person. Your heart's in the right place. you you know, your, uh, your intentions are pure. And that, those are the people who get recommended for jobs. Those are the people exactly. who, sure, you can, yeah, come, you know, come study, come study and, and, uh, and oversee what I'm doing on the show or something like that. And you, I'm sure you hear it too, where people, people don't get gigs or they get fired from gigs frequently and it's always mm -hmm. someone else's fault and you're like well you know after four or five times you're the common denominator here you know you're exactly. like you're getting you're probably getting fired because you're a jerk to work with or you're not you're inflexible or or whatever it is i think it goes i think it's 
as important, if not more important than you're playing. Absolutely. And I was just going to say, I think a lot of times in those situations, if someone gets fired, more often than not, it's not even about, it's not because of their playing. It's because of their attitude. So like, it's really just about be, be a good person to be around, be a good person to work with, be nice, be grateful. And like, obviously your drumming has to be, has to stand up to that as well. But I think that all of those other traits are so much more important and they'll take you a lot further in life. Yeah. You, uh, you hit the nail on the head there. Most of the time, if you get fired, it's not because you're playing, it's because of your attitude. Yeah. That is, that's hundred percent, a hundred percent. I agree. Um, talk, so tell me about some of the other stuff that, that you're working on. So you're, you're doing Broadway. Um, and then you ha- you're, you're working with pop groups. Are you able, so are, you're not able to tour though, right? Or are you? Um, so uh, on Broadway, you're technically allowed to take a leave of absence if it's for something that's like different than your show or seemingly better than your show or, I mean, better is not the right word, but just something that's like, that will further advance your career. So, you know, if, if I hypothetically got offered to go on tour with Lady Gaga, which would be my dream gig, that would be amazing. Um, Put it out there I'd in be, the world. I think, I think you can. Hey, Lady Gaga, I'm here. Yeah. No, um, but, you know, hypothetically, if that were to happen, if you were to get a pop tour or whatever, um, you could, you could reasonably take a, take a chunk of time off of the show to go on tour and then you can come back to your Broadway show. I know a lot of drummers that have done that before to go on tour with different artists. Um, they leave for like three, four or five weeks. They come back to their show for another chunk of time. They go back out nice. on tour for another chunk of time. But it just depends on on what... It kind of just depends on uh, the other gig that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't take a leave of absence from one Broadway show to do another Broadway show. Gotcha. So, um, But you can take a leave of absence from a Broadway show to do a tour. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah. Never knew that. Because if you could take a leave of absence from one Broadway show just to start another Broadway show, then I think like the same 10 people would be working all the time <laughs> and not, it would be really hard for like new people to break in, which is totally makes sense um, to be yeah. a rule. So it's, it's great. That does make sense. Yeah. But I, how do you, I mean, how are you balancing all this stuff? So like, so you're, you're playing on six, you're doing other, are you, are you doing session work? Are you playing with other bands? You just did late night with, uh, with Seth Meyers, which was amazing. That was like, so much fun. That was such a highlight. I just want to say shout out to Eric Lederman for like putting drummers on primetime television and being the yeah. focal point of like, like this, how amazing is that where he's like, Oh, I got an idea here, you know? And, and is like, and it now it's this rite of passage for people to go and play on. It's just, it's so amazing. So yeah, shout out major, to major shout out to Eric Lederman. Yeah. I mean, that was just the most incredible experience of my life. I mean, talk about amazing gigs, like bucket list gigs. That was a thing that, that was like on my list. I, I really wanted to play on TV. I really wanted to play on Seth Meyers because I knew that they feature the drummer. Like that's such right. a special thing. People yep. don't do that. The drummer is mm-hmm. always in the back. You know, it's never about the drummer, but they they decided to make it be all about the drummer. And that's it's just amazing. so special. I don't know if Eric talked to you about late night television, how it's always all the music has always has always uh, been focused on the drummer. Like all these years. So if, if next time you talk to him, like he ha- he wanted to do like a whole story about it because he's like there's all of these m- really famous drummers throughout late night. And this is this whole thing that he does, like sort of pays, you know, pays tribute to that. So, uh, but it's amazing. I mean, 
It's amazing. Did you get the comfy shirt too? Yes, I got, I got a nice cozy t-shirt. Oh, I got the most comfortable t-shirt in the oh, world. Oh, so nice. I got some <laughs> swag. I got like a Seth Meyers mug, but no, that, that gig was absolutely amazing. And that was a really busy week because I was, I was playing Seth Meyers during the day because they actually tape it during the day at around like mm-hmm. three or 4 PM. And then I had to go play my show six at night. Um, so it was, it was a lot. It was like the busiest I've been in a really long time and i was exhausted how was the um, how was the prep for that versus prepping for for broadway i'm guessing now broadway is sort of like second nature because you've played so many shows but like how does how does live tv compare to playing on broadway um well they're completely different at least with my show they're completely different so like with six and with a lot of other broadway shows you're gonna have a very specific part that you have to play like there's gonna be a composer and an orchestrator and they're gonna hand you your book the drum book for the show, you know, and you right. have to learn that whole thing. Um, a lot of times you can be flexible, like maybe you can come up with some different grooves here and there or some different drum fills, but sometimes they want you to play exactly what's written and you really just have to do your part and learn the book and that's your mm-hmm. job. Um, but on Seth Meyers, they actually, the band all gets together during the day and they write all the songs that they're going to play for that night's episode. So say they have like five commercial breaks and like two guests that night, they come up with all that music together. Um, they record so the rehearsal. Cool. They come up with like an A section and a B section for every song. And we, we came up with new stuff every single day. They were just like, Elena, give us a groove. And I played whatever I was feeling in that moment. And then the guitar player added something. And then the other guitar player added something. The bass player comes in. The MD comes in on keys. And then we just like start grooving and come up with this song. That's and we so basically cool. did that for every single commercial break and every single guest uh, like walk on music. Um, we recorded that rehearsal. And then a couple hours later, like during the taping of the show, the MD plays the recording of the rehearsal in your in-ears. We're all wearing IEMs. He plays that recording and he's like, all right, this is the one that's coming up next. And while Seth is talking, like while he's doing his thing, like you're listening to something completely different in your ears. And a lot of the cues were on me or the, the cues are always on the drummer, um, which was super nerve-wracking like coming into this gig for the first time on live yeah, tv you're like, you guys do like, this every day can't you cue this <laughs> i know right so that was um pretty scary at first but uh they told me what to do you know it's like okay i had to hit it i have to hit a hard beat four when he uh counts off the song or no when seth says the last name of the guest it's like please mm-hmm. welcome keenan thompson like and that's all on me hitting that hard beat for and then i had to figure out a way to cue out the drum fill and end it right when they sit on the couch (laughs) so it's like the guest is walking they're doing their thing they're shaking his hand they're waving to the audience they go to the seat and end of the song boom (laughs) i had to figure that all out (laughs) like right in the moment that's um, awesome. Which I never have to do on Broadway because at six, like everything is is written. It's pretty much the same thing every night. There are obviously some vamps that can change depending on like the audience and their reactions mm-hmm. to things. But for the most part, I play the same thing and I can see everything coming. But right. on Seth, it's like this is stuff that we made up three hours before. And a lot of the <laughs> things that are just like on me to figure out. Well, I think you did a great so. job. Oh, thank you. Thank you yeah, so much. I think, I think you did an, an amazing job. Uh, and there has to be a point, I got to imagine, you are you do that show and you're leaving there, getting on the subway, going to play a Broadway show. Like, 
you got I got to imagine you're like, okay, I've I've arrived. Like things are <laughs> things are good. Like that career, was career is going well. That was a really amazing week. I'm just so grateful. Like yeah. it was I'll remember that forever. It was just such an amazing experience between playing Seth during the day, playing my show at night, remembering how excited I was, but also how exhausted I was. Yeah. Um, but most of all, how grateful I was just for everything. It's just, it's just, it was so amazing. Well, well-deserved, well-deserved for sure. And listen, I would love to sit here and keep talking with you, but you have to go because you have to go play on Broadway. So I want to be, I I want to be to go. <laughs> conscious of the time. So I'm not, I'm not uh, keeping you held to your seat here where one, please well come back anytime. You're welcome. I would love to bring you back on. We can, we can continue to chat for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, two, where's the best place for people to follow you, follow what you got going on? Should they go to your site? Should they go to the gram? Where would you like them to go? Uh, yeah, probably, probably the gram. Um, I'm okay. most active on there. My Instagram is at chicks two with the number two. Um, that is a name that I made up in high school and I'm just going to stick with it forever it. and ever. <laughs> so <I love> it. <laughs> Instagram at Chase Kingdom to I also have a website where you can uh, read a little bit more and uh, watch videos, look at music, all that stuff. It's just elenabonomo.com. Cool. Well, Elena, thank you so much for, for doing this. I really, I really do appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy uh, tonight. Break a leg, stay in touch and uh, much continued success in the future. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you for Thank having you. me. It's been yeah. such a blast. Thank yeah. you. Likewise. All right. There you have it. The one and only Elena Bonomo. You can check her out at elenabonomo.com. Also, the show notes for this episode are drummersresource.com forward slash session 651. And... That's all I got. So thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. And I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini. That's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon. And graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.